a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Next is now. Well, here's what's next. A new bill introduced by Senator Amy Klobuchar is aiming to crack down on big tech by regulating big tech's ability to favor their products online. Now, we've talked about this in other areas that we have to be careful when swinging at things like big tech that we don't uh, create a bigger problem with a solution. We talk about that in terms of Facebook and how overregulation might actually further entrench them. Uh, joining us now on the, nine, on the line is Jeff Wessling from our friends at the R Street Institute. Uh, Jeff is a, a f- resident fellow there at R Street. He research, his research focuses on telecommunications and online content policy. And uh, Jeff, is this one more space where the cure may be worse than the disease? What are we looking at here? Yeah, definitely. I, I think that we've got a lot of interest in, in big tech and, you know, rightfully so. I think Congress does have a role to be looking at some of these practices and making sure things are, you know, above board. But, yeah. you know, we have a, a, an existing antitrust regime that's supposed to be looking at the effect of competition on consumers. We're trying to be protecting consumers. That's the end goal here. And in their kind of war on big tech, we're seeing a lot of bills like the Klobuchar bill that come out that seem to forego some of that analysis of, of how this is actually going to affect consumers. How is this going to affect competition as a whole? And instead think of, well, how is this going to affect individual competitors? How are we going to prop up the, the competitors of big tech? Because we don't like the, the big tech companies. So to me, this is definitely one of those cases where you've got Congress coming in and thinking they're, they're going to go attack a problem that might not even really exist with a solution that might make things worse. Yeah. And so let's dive into that. So this bill from Senator Klobuchar, uh, tell us what it is designed to do, and then we'll get into what it actually may do as a result. Yeah, sure. So I I think the the way that they've been trying to frame it and and what they're trying to do here is really just prevent uh, companies from leveraging uh, an existing product or service where they have a really dominant share um, and then also being a participant in that market or, or service. So think of something like an app store where uh, you know, you've got Apple has their own app store, but they also have their own apps that will compete on that app store. So what they're trying to do with this bill is just make sure that those, those companies don't um, have an unfair advantage against competitors where they could theoretically use their leverage of actually running the app store to maybe disadvantage some of the people that are coming in and trying to have apps that compete with maybe one of their brand name apps. Yeah, I know one of the other uh, examples that's often uh, thrown about with that is uh, is something like Amazon. You know, if you do a search for a certain product and Amazon happens to also sell that product, <laughs> that that kind of comes yeah. to the top. And uh, that seems to be another way. But so let's talk about what the bill would actually do in terms of that. And would it actually be the best thing for consumers and for smaller players in the end? Well, let's talk about the Amazon example. That's a perfect one. Um, so the, the bill, what it does is it basically says that these companies can't unfairly preference, you know, their own their own services. And that's just a very vague term. And, and it doesn't mention any analysis on the effect on consumers. So what this just means is that if you're a company that, like Amazon, they have their own Amazon Basics product, uh, they might start getting worried that, you know, if they offer this service and, and maybe if their products happens to be at the top of the list, they might be in trouble with, with the law and all of a sudden. 
And it's important to understand that the reason we have these kind of brand name products is with integration, they can figure out what kind of products are best going to meet the needs of the consumers. What do consumers actually want to buy? And they can provide that because they have those insights of, of having run this, this network, seeing the reviews, being able to offer uh, lower prices because they're integrating all these different things into one company. So you don't have to have excess overhead. You don't have to have too many different lawyers to, to handle all these different parts of the business. You've got the same folks doing everything internally. Uh, it's just the, the, the integration of all these different features creates efficiencies, and these efficiencies get passed on co- to consumers. So what I worry about here is if you're saying unfairly preference, you know, your own services, companies are going to get worried. They're not going to want to, you know, leverage a lot of these these efficiencies into creating a product that uh, might actually be better for the end consumer. And, and it'll make the competitors in the market who aren't, you know, Amazon or, or whoever, uh, they might not need to innovate as, as, as much because now they, they don't have a, that strong competitive reason to try to create a new product or service that uh, that maybe doesn't exist on the market. So that's my big worry. It's, yeah. it's the fact that this fear is going to limit the ability for these companies to offer good services that consumers want at low prices. Yeah, so that so that innovation is, is one component to it. The efficiencies that you pointed out, I think, are also really interesting that these companies do get efficiencies and therefore are able to offer those products or services at lower prices to consumers. So you wrote a great piece on this, uh, and you mentioned in it that that Congress, uh, in this bill that uh, Senator Klobuchar has put forward, that Congress could limit or even take away products or services uh, that customers rely on. And so it seems to me that uh, we could end up, if a company could no longer offer the service or offer the product, then suddenly we're creating scarcity and we're creating higher prices and maybe lower quality products for consumers. Well, and you just, it's, that, that's definitely true. And that's kind of what we just talked about with Amazon. But it's also just a practical thing. If, yeah. if I'm going to be using a search engine like Google, now all of a sudden they can't just pop up with, with a Google map to get the top of the page because maybe I'm searching for the restaurant down the street and I just want to figure out where it's at. Now all of a sudden my Google search, I have to go jump through hoops to figure out where exactly this thing is. And rather than them just saying, no, the consumer is looking for this thing because they want to find where it is. Let's mm-hmm. give them that result right away. It's just adding unnecessary restrictions on how these companies can run their businesses and making it more difficult for consumers to find what they're actually looking for. Yeah. And and you, you brought out such a great point, Jeff, and I want to go back to that, that there, there clearly is a role for government in all of this. I don't think anyone is saying, you know, let's just go back to the wild, wild west. Uh, but we have to be very careful, I think, in terms of how we approach a lot of these things because the uh, the knee-jerk reaction or the uh, kind of the mindset of, of big is bad and, and we have to take out these big bad companies uh, is not necessarily the case to just throw everything there because sometimes it might actually make those whatever big bad uh, might even make them stronger and last longer. Yeah, I'm not as concerned about that in this particular bill. It's definitely more of some of the 230 stuff you talked mm-hmm. about with Facebook in the intro. I won't, you know, go too far off topic to talk about 230. But, you know, anytime you add regulation, um, as companies start getting more affected by it, especially smaller companies, it's going to make it easier for the companies that already have those resources and know how to deal with the regulatory processes that have those relationships with the regulatory agencies. They can handle those costs, you know, a lot easier than, than some of their startups and their rivals. And, um, as companies start growing, they're going to start facing some of these restrictions in the bills. And, and you know, that's just not a good good thing for our economy to, to limit growth of these companies and limit uh, what they can do. And, and you mentioned the big is bad. That, that's a mindset we used to have in antitrust, you know, 100 years ago, maybe not 180, 80 years ago or so. And we grew out of it because we're like, wait a minute. No, big companies come with efficiencies. Big companies can offer lower prices for better goods. Uh, big isn't necessarily bad. Big is bad when 
the consumers are negatively affected when a, yeah. when a big company also dominates the market and can restrict output and, and charge higher prices with no kind of uh, market check on their behavior. So we aren't seeing that in the online economy right now. And that's, you know, Congress's role is to keep an eye and make sure nothing goes wrong, but it's not to come in and regulate just because they don't like a few particular companies. Yeah, great insight as always. Jeff Wesling, resident fellow at the R Street Institute. Again, his research focuses on telecommunications and online content policy. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Coming up next, a Chinese rail town that's over a century old was just uncovered in Utah. Mike Anderson from KSL-TV joins us next to talk about some of the interesting findings right here in our state. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.